The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'll be your host today. Jason is not in the studio today, so I'm flying solo. We had a quite an awesome opportunity this week. A few weeks ago, we did an interview with Michael DeLeon. Michael's story was one of the most harrowing stories of addiction, jail time, and redemption than I've heard in the whole time we've been doing this podcast. And Michael happened to be in Clearwater, Florida this week. So he was able to tour Narconon, meet both Jason and I face-to-face, and get a feel for what Jason does. And so I brought Michael back into the studio today and asked him to talk about his organization and what he does in terms of drug education. And I think he had some really good messages to say about, you know, education, educating kids on drugs and really you know, getting into the whole prevention area. Michael is all about teaching kids the truth about drugs, going into prisons, helping to teach inmates in prison self-respect. Just across the boards, he is all about helping other people, which I think is absolutely fabulous. I want to put in a plug because I know Jason would want to do this if he was here with me today in the studio, and that is that we are closing in on the holidays. And please, if you are listening and you have a friend or a loved one who is suffering from addiction, please get help and get it, get them help now. Get them into treatment right now, right before the holidays. You cannot give anybody a better gift than the gift of sobriety. So now is the time to do it. Don't wait until after the holidays when there could be really dire consequences. So there you go. Let's talk to Michael DeLeon. Michael has an organization called Steered Straight, and he is all about doing something about prevention in the whole area of addiction, and he definitely knows from where he speaks. So Michael, thank you for being on the podcast again. Thank you so much for having me. Now, when you were on before, you told us your whole story about your background and your trials and tribulations with jail time and addiction and everything else. Quite a harrowing story, as I recall. And you also told us that you have a nonprofit called Steered Straight. Update us on what Steered Straight has been up to or what you've been up to with Steered Straight. Tell us, tell us what's been happening. So Steered Straight, like you said, is a nonprofit, a five hundred one c three, and uh, I, um, it's you know, it's been based in New Jersey, and now we're kind of uh, expanding that a little to Tennessee and to Clearwater, Florida. So I really, um, it's growing fast, uh, but you know, I have no patience, and um, I want it to grow even faster because literally the lives we're changing means you know people aren't losing their life and families aren't you know, um, you know totally uh, destroyed from um, addiction and incarceration uh, and people learn how to get through things and grow from things. Um, so it's, um, 
it's growing, but I, I really need help. Uh, I've been able to develop certain things. I have 27 different presentations, completely uniquely different, um, addressing all assets of a community. Um, you know, I want to educate kids about drugs, but if I don't educate the parents, I'm wasting my time. If I don't educate staff, I'm wasting my time. If we don't educate law enforcement, first responders on addiction, we lose those jaded people to, um, you know, stigma, uh, and judging, judging people, and uh, if we don't educate our doctors, uh, our medical community, uh, we're going to continue in the same hamster wheel of addiction. And the only way to address this social problem that affects everyone is to educate everyone. And you, so that's what I'm trying to do. You know, you're right about that. We've actually had on the podcast an anesthesiologist who became addicted, who now has made it her mission in life to go and talk to doctors about how easy it is to become addicted. And then a few weeks ago, we had a nurse on the podcast and she actually became addicted to fentanyl. Fentanyl was her drug of choice. And she also is now on a mission to educate the healthcare industry kind of how easy it is to cross that line and become addicted to these drugs because they're so easy to get a hold of when you're in the healthcare industry. You know, so it's an it's an interesting point that and doctors also need to be and from that same viewpoint, if you educate doctors on how easy it is to be addicted, maybe they'll start thinking more before they write these prescriptions for, you know, 30 days worth of Oxycontin when perhaps one day might do it when you're going through excruciating pain. So it's definitely true. And, you know, you had a tragedy this week with someone that was close to you that was an addict that lost their life. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that that happened. And that speaks to why you're doing what you're doing and why we do this on the podcast because parents definitely also need to be educated on what's happening. So what are you seeing when you go into schools? You've been going into schools for quite a while now. What, what's the, What's the reaction that you get? Well, initially, you know, after 90 minutes spending in front of kids, you have a Q&A section at the end, but you have Q&A afterwards, the questions that the kids didn't want to openly ask, and they're ashamed, and they're embarrassed, and it's hard. Uh, secondly, um, a lot of times kids don't want to talk to the people who are closest to them because they uh, fear judgment they fear stigma, they fear a lot of things being looked at differently. And so kids literally sh don't go to the most important people that they need to go. And then a lot of times counselors don't have certain kids on their radar because they just didn't know. If the kid's not coming in and say that police were called to the house the night before in a domestic violence incident and the father was removed in handcuffs and the mother went off to the hospital, now you got a kid in first period who's dealing with that and you don't know. How do you, you know, teach that kid? Let's just look at it from an educational standpoint, how you teach them. But how do we not deal with his trauma? And um, then so many times the answer to this spiritual problem in America is a drug. And we have psychiatrists across this country who are literally murdering people. And I say that emphatically. I don't hesitate one bit because they're shoveling psychotropics down the throats of kids. And you get kids that are, you know, concerned about it. And you get kids that want to talk and need to talk. And so, uh, you know, we are the safe people from outside of the area that kids feel comfortable opening up to. And then we've shared the exact same, um, you know, incident that we dealt with as a child and, uh, kids start to, 
open mm-hmm. up. So initially you're getting such a reaction. And then when we do post surveys, 86% of the kids that saw the presentation report that they've gone home and talked to a parent or a guardian about it. And then if I could put a drug for real booklet in their hands and they go home and read the booklet with their parents, which is what I ask them to do. Uh, and then hopefully the parent will get online and look at the courses and you could take online courses from drug free world and kids can take it. Um, you know, nothing against schools and administrators in this country, but honestly and systemically, schools don't teach kids about the dangers of drugs. They don't feel it's their job. That's the parents' job. Hey, guess what? Parents aren't teaching it. Right. And so you got kids, some of these uh, educators are with these kids more hours a day than the kids are with their own parents. That's so right. shouldn't you take advantage of this? The reason we don't teach a drug education in America is because it's not on a standardized test. Mm-hmm. Put it on a standardized test and we'll teach it ad nauseum, you know, <laughs> but we're not going to do that in this country. Uh, and then, like I said, there's an agenda from child psychologists and psychiatrists to put kids on chemicals. And that's the answer. Well, the kid, the student's much better when he's on his medication. Yeah. Define what that means. Define yeah. better. They're not better when they're on their medication. They're drugged. And, um, you know, there's teachers are great. You know, we've always got this approach that teachers are great and educators are great. And most are, Mm -hmm. but some aren't. So let's be honest about it. You know, I don't like the way law enforcement is being painted in this country with that big broad brush, but we have some bad ones. So why don't we like, you know, cut the thin blue line and have, you know, people held responsible. That's what we're lacking. And we don't teach it, and it's personal responsibility. Yep. So steered straight to about the education, but if I got a kid who comes up to me afterwards and he's like, yeah, my dad's in jail, he keeps going in and out of the jail. If I don't go into the jail with Criminon program and I give that man, that woman, a way to happiness booklet, I'm never going to address the core problem in that child's life, which is the trauma of an incarcerated parent. Yep. And if effects of incarceration on children of the incarcerated is huge trauma in this country. Yep. I mean, we are not addressing that at all. Yep. And so um, we need to address it. So that's, you know, I hate to be so, you know, uh, many uh, tentacles like an octopus, but this um, this issue has got a lot of threads to it and we have to, you know, sell them all. Well, it's okay, and there are many different threads. I think the thing that sets you apart, and also, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, from when you talked to us before, the people who work for you and the other people who go into the schools, and I think the thing that sets you apart is while a school counselor or a school teacher can do a decent job teaching with the drug-free world materials and teaching the truth about drugs, where you present quite a difference is you've been there. And you've lived it. Similarly to Jason having been an addict. And so when someone comes into Narconon where he works, he's he's speaking from a similar reality. And the person knows pretty pretty much very quickly that Jason's been there. So he actually experiences it. And I think that makes a huge difference because you know, I could go in and I could talk to kids about the effects of drugs and I could probably do a pretty good job at it. But you've actually lived it and you've lived, you know, that downward spiral like nothing else. And so when you're talking to a kid, you know, they've got to believe what you're saying because it's obvious that you've been there. And same way with, with criminal. When you go into a prison, you've been there. Yeah. I think it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more apparent and it's a lot more evident in prisons, you know, because, um, 
we have the self-loathing and victim stance that we suffer from. We don't take personal responsibility for the decisions that we've made in our life. And then we have this um, 180-degree um, anger and, and resentment towards people who are going to slam doors in our face. You're never going to give me a chance because my uh, past. You're going to always judge me by my past. Um, the door's going to slam in my face because I'm an ex-con, an ex-offender. Um, and it's easier for us not to take personal responsibility. You know, for years it was like, well, I was sexually abused as a kid, and that's the reason. Or my parents got divorced when I was in fifth grade, that's the reason. Or I was abused as a young man, that is the reason. Those are all causal factors. I'm not going to take anything away from them, but I'm not going to let them control my life. My past doesn't dictate my future, and I won't allow it to. And I got to teach these men that. So someone without a incarceration experience, and not just being locked up, but being locked up and then moving forward and becoming successful. The more successful I am now after incarceration, the more effective I'll be when I go back into prisons and jails. And I want to go into prisons and jails every single day. And some administrators, are so close-minded and so old school and they're just so, um, you know, vested in the door continuing to revolve. Yep. Like I've literally had commissioner, former commissioner of corrections in New Jersey sit, look me straight in the eyes and in a meeting say, what do you want me to do? Close prisons and lay off corrections officers? I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, that's my objective. And he says, well, that's why we'll never let you into a prison in New Jersey. <laughs> Honestly, that wow. happened. Um and I, you know, I um, also want inmates to understand someone like you without incarceration background. There's a lot to learn from you. Like, if I'm trying to get out and never use drugs again, well, you're someone who's always done that. I tell kids in treatment, they say they can't relate to the counselors who aren't in recovery. And I say, why? Well, they don't know what it's like. Yeah, but you should learn what it's like not to do drugs. The other side of it. You That's think a good those point. people never had problems in their life? Yeah. You think they never had stress? You think that those people who never used drugs never had difficulties like you did? No, they did. But here's what they didn't do. They didn't turn to a drug. That's a they, very yeah. good point. So guess what? You can learn from those people. Yep. You can learn how they did it. That's so a you really can really good it. point. I never thought of it from that and viewpoint. Very That's few a people, really, really good yeah. point because I didn't do drugs. Okay. So yeah, maybe I don't understand what it's like to be high on heroin, but I understand, you know, dealing with various problems and upsets and, you know, trauma and bad things happening. And so how did I deal with it? That's a, that's a really, really yeah, good Yeah, Cause point. I'm going in saying, listen, you got to learn to deal with your stresses and your anxiety without coping mechanisms that you've become accustomed to, which is drugs. Cause it didn't cope and didn't work. Well, Joni, you uh, already knew that <laughs> yeah, and you learned it long. Long before I did, and so now I'm trying to teach them what I uh, have learned, but you learned it from the beginning. I have a different lesson I yeah, can teach so we, <laughs> But like people say the D.A.R.E. program doesn't work. Okay, okay. Well, the D.A.R.E. program doesn't work in some aspects at some kids' ages, but don't minimize the importance of humanizing a police officer because second, third, fourth grader kids uh, can really learn from the D.A.R.E. program. But we need me next to the officer and together we can teach. But collaboration yeah. and together is what we need to do in it you know, every approach to this whole thing. And we're not doing that. You right. Know? 
Everyone's right. in silos doing their own little thing. And as long as we're in silos, we're just going to keep bumping uh, up against each other, you know, instead of all, you know, flowing in the same way. Um, if we're all on the same ship, you know, yep. and I kind of have this analogy that if you have a hundred ships in a you know, in a, in a, uh, I don't even know what that's called, ships together in a group. Flotilla. Flotilla going together. Well, my sh- waves that I'm making b- b- bump up against your ship. In some ways, we hinder each other as we all go. But if we're all in the same boat and we're all rowing together, then we're going to move a lot faster. Or if I ride your wake yeah, or you and get in my... the same motion that you've uh, got. There you go. That's you know, I, w- I want to make another point, um, kind of backtracking a little bit when you were talking about how a lot of these kids are more comfortable with talking to you than they are with their parents. I know for a fact we have parents that listen to this podcast. And parents, you have to figure out a way to make it extremely safe for your child or your husband, or your brother, or your sister, you have to make it safe for them to communicate to you about drugs. And if you don't know about drugs, hey, drugfreeworld.org. I mean, you can get any of these booklets that you want, and they're specific booklets. You know, your kid comes and says, gee, mom, you know, my friends are smoking marijuana. Don't know if I should or not. There's a booklet about marijuana. If you want to get the facts, just Fact, no opinion, no, this is right, wrong, or indifferent, just the facts about why don't smoke marijuana, don't take pain pills. There's one for every single one of those drugs, and it's completely free. All you have to do is contact Drug Free World and get these booklets, and you can sit down and go over these with your kids, but you have to make it safe for them to talk to you because you should be who they're talking to. And if they're not, and they don't feel they can talk to anybody until Michael comes into their school, might be too late yeah you know i mean i I always want to say it's never too late but you're right it's past the point of where we can really make a difference because if you find out your 10 11 12 13 year old kid is vaping or using marijuana or drinking alcohol i mean you you literally have a chance the brain is still formulating but if you don't catch it early and your 22 23 24 year old uh is dealing with heroin methamphetamine cocaine you kind of miss the boat you're in big trouble. Yeah, you I'm telling you, the boat. with even with treatment in America, the way treatment is in America, it's not like Narcanon. Um, this whole idea of a diseased brain for the rest of your life, and you're going to be an addict the rest of your life. Uh, and now your treatment is moving into a medication um, uh, format. And unfortunately, the pharmaceutical industry has been really good at recruiting parents who've lost their kids. And so now these parents who've lost their children are out there as advocates for if my son was on methadone, he'd still be here. If my son was on Suboxone, he'd still be here. And listen, grief is a very, very susceptible time. And these harm reduction people are out there um, recruiting very, um, you know, naive and uh, grieving, grieving people, sensitive, uh, susceptible people. Disgusting. And um, they're using them like puppets. And now when I say things about it, oh my gosh, that's not politically correct, man. You can't say things like that. Oh yeah. It's the same way I talk about sometimes people in recovery and they want to, they want to take the word addict away. Oh, we don't want to call it addiction. We want to call it substance use to or people forget what we went through you know uh, not uh, not too many generations ago you know everybody gets a trophy 
everybody plays. Let's not keep score and show everyone that everybody wins. That's not reality and that's not life. Might make you feel better, okay? <laughs> and I want to take those kids who don't have that athletic ability and get them to participate too. But in life, guess what? That's not reality. And you've got to teach kids reality, not your theory of everybody's, you know, uh, deserving of this. Everybody's deserving of this, but hard work pays off, you know? Um, you know, success, uh, is the only place where success comes before work is in the dictionary. And so you have to work to become successful. And um, I just think that we're making the wrong approach with addiction. We're taking personal responsibility away and we're also taking consequences away. Yep. And if you got 20 and 30 year old heroin addicts, opioid addicts, meth addicts, and you take consequences away, well, then they're going to suffer the ultimate consequence. They're going to be dead at 36 like a girl that I buried this year, my 198th funeral oh. in eight years. 198. I don't want you to make it to 200. I really don't. Yeah, I probably will before next week. It's sad. Just a reminder, you are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For further information on the podcast, visit our Facebook page, The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. If you'd like further information on Narconon Suncoast, call 877-339-3324. That's 877-339-3324. Hey, Michael, tell me, um, this is not, we don't spend the whole podcast obviously talking about Narconon, but we do interview Narconon graduates, but we also interview people like you who didn't go through the Narconon program. You're out the other side. You're fully sober. You're not on methadone. You're not on Suboxone. You're fully sober. But what did you think of the Narconon program? Because you, you visited this week, Narconon Suncoast. What were some of the differences that you think? Well, I mean, initially, in the, the most blaring glaring difference and the most important difference is you know you've got to look at the person and the person's not an addict you know there's no other disease on earth there's a lot of diseases that they're they say we haven't found the cure for okay fine we're still searching for it aren't we there's no other disease on earth except addiction where we have said nope there's no cure for it and we've stopped looking for it and so people are going, kids are going to these treatment programs and they're being told there's no cure. They're being told they're going to be an addict the rest of their life. You're going to define yourself as a broken identity for the rest of your life and there's no cure for your brain disease. Well, then how the hell are you expecting them to stay clean and sober for the rest of their life? Exactly. And now we don't even want to use the words clean and sober. They're dirty words. Addict is a dirty word. Stigma, stigma. St- Listen, stigma is the biggest gimmick. Stigma is the biggest gimmick. Does it exist? Sure. Yeah. But uh, education is the answer to stigma, and we have to understand addiction. But if we don't tell the people who suffer in the most, every addict is affecting three other people in their life, and that doesn't even count you know, collateral people in the business community or in, in, the, in the regular community at large. Um, we have to, no matter what, we absolutely have to talk to these people and educate these people about growth and that they're not defined by a word that they used to be. They're not defined by who they were. Look at motivation in America. Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar and Norman Vincent Peale and Les Brown and all these people that people and corporations pay thousands of dollars to come manage, uh, bring their managers to and motivate. Not one of those people would ever tell you define yourself by the person who you were. Very good point. Yeah, and why would you, so let's take addiction out of it. Let's just look at motivation. Yep. You could be anything we want to, you want to be, you tell kids. We're going to tell addicts that you can't. That's ridiculous. And so the disease of addiction 
Okay. If you look at the definition of disease, I'll give you that. Fine. When you are in the grips of your addiction, drugs are in your body. It's changed your chemical makeup. It's changed your brain circuitry. You are, uh, your body is not producing dopamine, uh, serotonin naturally. It's produced by a chemical. So in that state of being okay you want to call that a disease fine you have the disease here's the cure abstinence and here's the (laughs) way forward and so people it's a big debate you want to have a debate and an argument on social media just say uh is it is addiction a disease or a choice and you're gonna get people on both sides yep so emotional yep and when you have emotions involved you're never gonna educate anyone it's true you can't get over those emotions you can't get over the confirmation bias some people believe i had a mom tell me at her son's service burying her 27 year old son my son never had a chance what do you mean well he was an addict he never made a choice it wasn't a choice he had a disease i'm like uh, okay um i know your son and i know how he supported that disease as you call it he would steal from everybody possible he would steal everything he could he knew where to sell it he knew where to steal it went to steal it best places best times where to go he made a lot of choices every day. His brain worked pretty yep. well when he had to steal, lie, manipulate to get his drugs. And yep. then all of a sudden you say he didn't have a choice. His brain didn't work. If that's your way of getting through your grief, I'm not going to say right or wrong for you, but I'm telling you for me, it's absolutely wrong. And that's why your son's not here. Right. Um, and that's not politically correct to say, oh my God, a grieving oh, mother, know. you can't say that. I know. Listen, the truth is this. We're losing uh, 175 to 200,000 people to an overdose this year. Everyone's stuck on the 76,000 number. The University of Virginia proved that we're underestimating it by 25%. We're going to lose a quarter million people to a drug overdose in the next year. We're going to lose... 350 to 400,000 directly to alcohol. We're going to lose 600,000 to cigarettes. And no one's talking about the quarter million people we're going to lose to COPD and CLRD in the next year because of vaping and the e-cigarettes. And the federal government is not even regulating it. Why? Because lobbyists are controlling this. And now we got the answer to addiction. We got all these kids and all these people who are suffering. They're in treatment centers. They're in and out, in and out, in and out of treatment centers. And every single one of them hires a psych hires a clinician to put these kids on medication we're taking kids we're putting them into detox and while they're in detox we're diagnosing them bipolar that's amazing you can diagnose someone bipolar when they're kicking heroin in three days and i've got kids gone into detox coming out on more drugs than they were on when they went in yeah so if you don't think think it might be a little bipolar when you're coming off of heroin yeah maybe yeah, possibly <laughs> so we're absolutely treating the problem the wrong way and we're not doing enough for prevention and we're not doing enough for intervention uh and then we're not going into prisons and jails um addressing the revolving door yeah um and we, it's just costing us all it's yep. costing everyone and of you're us. addressing it from so many different angles and i re- i really appreciate everything you do michael and i know you have another appointment and i appreciate you taking the time to come in here and sit down and talk to me again um a lot of i think 
you know, a lot of the good takeaways from this is education in a very, very big way. And I think another thing parents you might want to look into is educating yourself on vaping because vaping is now the solution for so many things. It's the solution for smoking. It's the solution for many things. And we don't know the long-term effects of vaping. And You'll see. Um, I've been screaming this for three years. And I'm telling you, in the last two weeks, the articles that are coming out, uh, people are sharing. I'm like, gee, I predicted this three years ago. I told you this was going to happen. See, the, va- the vape is becoming, it will become the drug delivery system for every drug on earth. Mark my words, the pharmaceutical industry will start distributing medications in a vapor. um, And that's going to become the drug delivery system. So these kids think that um, it's safer. Parents think it's safer and it's not. And then you got emotions involved again. You got all these people who are vaping. They're addicted to nicotine. They're ingesting more nicotine into their brain than they ever did when they were smoking. We're going to get some great feedback on the Facebook page. I can just tell you People are being like, nah, you're crazy. Vaping, help me quit smoking. But you're vaping and you've been vaping for You're still getting nicotine. 100%. And guess what you're also getting? Things you never got. People say there's less carcinogens in an e-cigarette than there is in a cigarette. No, Mm -hmm. incorrect. Absolutely not. And where did you get your chemical degree? I'm sorry. Did you have that on your wall in your bedroom? I didn't see it. Um, you are they're, they're dealing with a product that was invented by the tobacco industry, funded by the tobacco industry, and all the marketing out there is by the tobacco industry. And uh, you're putting heavy metals into your brain, into your respiratory system. And we are going to have a pulmonary pandemic. Uh, you know, a lot of people are focusing attention on overdoses. And yep. the 76,000 in 2017 is completely erroneous. It's wrong. But a lot of people use that number. So let me just use that number fine. <laughs> if 76,000 people died from an overdose in 2017, over 500,000 people died from cigarettes. And we're not even focused on that. What kills 10 times more people than drugs do is a drug that's legal and sold in every you know gas station across the country. Yep. And what we've come to socially accept death from heart disease, cancer, and respiratory disorders. We've come to socially accept it. Mm-hmm. Mark my words, we're going to come to socially accept death from illicit drugs. People say the answer to this is legalizing all drugs. No, I the don't top so. three killer drugs, nicotine, tobacco, alcohol, and marijuana, and, and prescription pills <laughs> are all legal. Yeah. So the top three killer drugs are all legal. So yeah. you want to legalize illicit drugs, which kill maybe one-tenth of what legal drugs kill? And you think that's the answer to what? The answer to what? Well, it'd be the answer to our prison system. We wouldn't lock up people for drugs. Listen, if you look at everybody who's incarcerated in this country and you look at what their charges are, about 20% of people are in prison for possession, for distribution, for actual drugs. And the other 80% are crimes that were committed under the influence of drugs or to get more drugs. So guess what? Are you going to make drugs legal? Yes. Then what are you going to do? You're going to give out the drugs? Well, no, we're not going to give out the drugs. So you're going to make drugs easily acceptable, more accessible, and uh, more um, available. And we're going to addict more people. But we're not going to give out the drugs. So they're not going to work. Okay, they're going to be addicted, and then we expect the problem to go away and crime to go down. Yep. Yeah, okay, keep dreaming. Yep. It's like when people say, well, if we legalize marijuana, we're going to get rid of all the... I mean, we met a judge the other night, and I point blank asked her, and I wanted to continue, but I wasn't. I didn't have enough time to educate her. She, I said, do you think it's going to help? She said, well, I'll get rid of some of the petty crimes that I'm dealing with. And I'm looking at her, I'm like... And I did make one statement. 
Oh, it's going to increase a lot of your caseload. Yep. Your caseload's not going to go down with marijuana legalization. It's going to drastically increase. Yep. And here's why. The influence of the drug on the people who are using it, then they're going to commit more crimes. Yep. You're going to have more driving drugs, more driving under the influence of drugs, more accidents, mm -hmm. more homicides, more violence. What do you mean violence? Marijuana makes you mellow. No. <laughs> THC at 100% level makes you psychotic. Yep. Psychosis that would never manifest itself is going to start manifesting itself on THC. Mark my words, we're in the really early stages of the biggest pandemic of addiction this country's ever seen and the biggest health pandemic this country's ever seen, and I'm trying to stop it. So There, there you go. Well, thank you for everything you're doing. And for the listeners, if you would like to check out Michael's website, it's steeredstraight.org. I'll spell it S-T-E-E-R-E-D-S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T dot org michael de Leon, thank you for being with us today thank you so much john i appreciate it thank you jason everybody i really feel like michael has a lot of valuable things to tell valuable things to teach i brought it up in the middle of the interview but i want to bring it up one more time and that is that if you are a parent and you have not had the hardcore talk with your kids about drugs. You need to do that. They're going to be exposed to it and you need to talk to them about it and you need to make sure that you are a safe person for them to talk to about drugs. It's important. And if you don't know how to talk about drugs, you've got a lot of resources out there. You could contact Steered Straight and Michael can help you. You can go to drugfreeworld.org and all of the materials there are free. And they give just the facts about the different drugs and how they can affect you, how they can, the long-term effects on the mind, on the body, on the person's spiritual awareness. Those booklets are the best out there and they're free and you can get them and you can sit down and go over them with your kids and do it from the viewpoint that you love them, you care about them, you don't want them to get into drugs ever. If on the other hand, your loved ones, your kids have already gotten into drugs, please, please, please get help now. Contact an organization like Steered Street, sorry, Steered Straight or Narconon and get help now. The Narconon number is 877-339-3324 and the organization is steeredstraight.org. Hope you guys have a fabulous rest of the week. Jason will be back with me next week and we'll keep telling it like it is. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 